This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mr. Zuckerberg, would you be comfortable sharing with us the name of the hotel you stayed in last night? Um... Uh, no. If you've messaged anybody this week, would you share with us the names of the people you've messaged? Uh, Senator, no, I would probably not choose to do that publicly here. I think that might be what this is all about. Your right to privacy, the limits of your right to privacy, and how much you give away in modern America in the name of, quote, connecting people around the world. The question, basically, of um, what information Facebook's collecting, who they're sending it to, and whether they ever ask me in advance my permission to do that. Is that a fair thing for a user of Facebook to expect? So that's a different kind of start to the podcast, isn't it? You might recognise the first segment because it's from the biggest news story of the week. It was Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg being questioned by Senator Dick Durbin in his congressional hearings. And I've got to give a shout out to Redditors, Save Me From School and Cat Daddy Panther 67 for noticing the parallels between um, Mark Zuckerberg sitting in Congress and um, DCI Karen Parkin, aka Kelly McDonald, sitting in her parliamentary hearing in Hated in the Nation. So that image was shared and you know compared quite a lot and also in terms of themes including privacy and data mining there are huge parallels between this 2016 episode of Black Mirror and current events in April 2018. So to help me unpack that we're going to have Mirror Online's tech team coming into the podcast to talk about all the implications of the congressional hearings and privacy and data mining. So that's Jeff Parsons and Shivali Best who'll be on the podcast in a little bit. We've also got a little cameo appearance from Fleet Street Fox, a.k.a. Susie Boniface, um, who's a Mirror columnist, and uh, and she appeared on Charlie Brooker's Screenwipe, and uh, she'll be telling us what that was all about. I'll be joined by my colleague Vicky Newman, who's showbiz journalist for Mirror Online, and we'll be analysing the episode. Vicky, you're back. I am back. I couldn't stay away. <laughs> Hated in the Nation. Yeah. Do we like? Very, very interesting episode. Feature length as well, which is a nice little bonus. It's an hour 30, isn't it? There's just so much to this episode. There's so many aspects to it. Lots of different stories that all really intertwine and says a lot about society, about the power of celebrity, about the abuse of social media. And there's just so much to it. What for you is like the, the really main theme, the most exciting thing about the episode? Um, I think the fact that it kind of, it takes this idea of internet trolling to a real terrifying extreme. It's a bit like nosedive. Yeah. Like further. But deadly. Yes. Because <laughs> you can't really see, if there's just one, obviously a swarm, you can spot. If there's just this one bay kind of, and once it's there, you know, it's very hard to stop it. 
you know, going up your nose or whatever. Like it's... Once you've seen it kill, it is terrifying. It will track you and find you. So it's it's a really normal existence that is under threat. It's us, yeah, isn't it? Scary. I mean, it is, you know, yes, these things about how much information about us online and, you know, probably, you know, a scary amount that you don't realise. And, you know, 16 years ago, you might have entered your date of birth and something into a website and that information is just held on the internet forever and all this you know jigsaw identification all these little nuggets of information can come together but there is you know like what what's what's jigsaw identification for non-journalists i think oh, it's a really helpful term it is yeah so basically it's a term that is used for um say for example in a court case um a, a victim of a sexual offense it's illegal to name that person so unless they waive their unless rights, they yeah. themselves obviously yeah waive yeah. their anonymity but just um you know as a general rule you can't name the victim of a sexual offense but say for example um you know the, the classic examples is like there's a story about uh, a father who um assaulted their daughter if one newspaper says the relationship and one newspaper names the father then put those two bits together, jigsaw identification, you've got the identity of the victim. Don't want to do that. If you actually name the victim of a sexual offence, you yourself become a sexual offender. Yes. Which nobody wants. No. No. No, we've seen the end of White Christmas. Yeah. Nobody wants that. And um, on the internet, that kind of stuff is even more problematic because you can search things easily. It's much more important than in the paper days. Yeah. I mean, a a, a thing that's been happening for for years, and it's it's been kind of in the news again lately, is um, people identifying uh, Jamie Bulger's killers. Um, Obviously, we know the names, uh, Robert Thompson, John Venables, obviously very young when they did it they got given new identities and kind of obviously Venables has been in jail again and everything there's a fascinating psychological study there with Venables but he he has been given a new identity and that is a legal thing you can't Mm. just go around yeah but people very regularly you see you'll have probably seen it on your own Facebook with friends they'll share pictures of you know two grown men and they'll say this is them obviously you know that is not allowed as as much as you might think that they've done something that they don't deserve a new identity for and people you know a lot of people will think that you know at the end of the day it's crim- it's criminal to identify them when they've been given these new identities and you know people have landed themselves wasn't that um tina malone recently wasn't she in trouble i, didn't catch that. I think she yeah, was in trouble uh the the actress from shameless um she was in trouble recently for sharing something online that was supposed to be the identities pictures of these guys grown up so you know it's really dangerous number one could be of the wrong people exactly and number two this is such a useful example you've come up with because vigilante justice is a huge theme here and again it reminds me when we we talked in nosedive about um trolling and the winky face and the lord mcalpine and now we've moved on a bit to the bulger killers it's it's not for the individual to decide what justice they face. It's not, no. But I think, you know, people really need to think more carefully before they just share something on Facebook. And you see, it just gets into so much trouble. People simply retweeting something like that. You know, you're as responsible as the person who originally made the tweet or made the Facebook post. If you if you share it, you know. But I think people kind of sometimes confuse this kind of 
right to a freedom of speech with, you know, that doesn't mean that you can just say whatever you want and you can't be held accountable for it because, you know, at the end of the day, these laws are put in place. You can't just break them willy nilly just because, oh, well, all I did was click share on a Facebook post. You know, it doesn't work like that. I think people should need to think very hard sometimes before the share such things. There's a sense of personal responsibility that's coming through yeah. that um, Jeff and Shivali talked about when they were talking about the Facebook congressional hearings. So now we've got Jeff Parsons and Shivali Best of Mirror Online's tech team to explain the Zuckerberg congressional hearings. What does it mean for social media and, and privacy and what's going on? It's important. It's the first time that Zuckerberg himself has appeared in any kind of regulatory uh, hearing in front of lawmakers to explain the Cambridge Analytica scandal and privacy on Facebook in general. It's the first time he himself has kind of been held to account. We've had um, other members of Facebook, like lesser, lesser beings in the Facebook universe who've been kind of asked questions. But now this is the, the big guy himself um, over, I think it was, it was two hearings Two days, five hours the first one, and I don't know how long the second one was, but know. it was a good, it was intense. Long, it was a yeah. long, long time. Yeah, he was in there answering questions. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, um, you covered it live, didn't you? Yeah, I so did. I did. I was following. I was following on, and to kind of like a big, broad scope of this is they were ostensibly asking about the Cambridge Analytica scandal, whereby millions of people had their data scraped. Uh, sold on and then that data was used to influence elections by creating profiling tools so that was one thing he was asked about and then the second thing was this sort of even broader strokes which was facebook in general how it collects how it uses information of the people uh, that are on it and because we don't pay facebook we are the product our data is the product that's how it makes its money and i think what they were trying to get into was um you know, what's our rights? And, you know, we want to use the service, but we also expect a fair amount of privacy in doing so. Yeah. Um, what do you say to that, Mr. Zuckerberg? And what he said to that was probably not a lot. Um, yeah. A lot of... It was very, like, I don't want to say calculated, but prepared. Like, prepared. he had... You can tell he spent a lot of time yeah. getting ready for that. Ducking some of the big questions. Yeah. Um, he was very careful not to be drawn on certain things. Um, robotic was... was some of the criticisms, I think. Yeah, some of the memes that have come out of it. Yeah, it's hilarious. very, it's very, like, I, there are two ways, like, I can, I found it really interesting to see this guy, as a um, pulled up in front of regulators and kind of basically torn apart a little bit. And then I can see it from the other side of things, which is where, you know, I don't know what will come of it because, like, he gets someone to Washington, he gets in front of them. They embarrass him and he goes, oh, right, I'm really sorry. I won't do it again, which is what Zuckerberg has been doing for years. And then he goes, I'm really sorry. We'll we'll learn from this. We'll do better. We'll institute a couple of little tools on Facebook. And then he goes back to Silicon Valley with all the others and they just carry on making billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, and it is important to say as well, it it was big. It was 87 million people they revealed in the end that whose data it was. Including his. Including Including Zuckerberg's. It's hilarious. It, It was only 1 million in the UK, which isn't huge but 87 million worldwide it's a lot of people slightly affected. offended that we do, only offended. a million yeah <laughs> we're not worth that much unbelievable <laughs> yeah we've i mean we've talked about this on future file haven't we um mm-hmm. of like the facebook thing and what's going to happen as a result of this um there are some big privacy laws coming in in europe um next month like and again they will probably roll that out for americans as well because it'll be kind of like the new standard um but it's such a it's such a like invasion. There are 
there are two sides to it. There's what the stuff that you upload yourself, and then there are stuff that Facebook takes without maybe you knowing that they're it's taking tracking it. people without profiles, isn't it? As well, it's tracking people like your my contacts. your friends of friends and things like mm. the, the stuff that came out when people realized how much data they had. They have text messages. They've got your phone log. It, it's quite creepy when you think about it. Yeah, it's not just. And yeah. to get even into the even more techie about it, you can put like um, algorithms and automatic profile on it, to, so a human doesn't even touch it, and it can create you know targeted um, profiles of people, so you can then serve adverts mm-hmm. against that. Um, and that's that's their business model. And I, one of the senators asked him as well, you know, are you prepared to change your business model? And I'm like, of course not, because it's like the most successful social media platform in the history of humanity, and it's massive. Um, but it was it was also very interesting to see um, what I would seem almost as sort of a generational divide a little bit because a lot of these senators were a little bit older. A lot of them they didn't understand some of the concepts. So yeah, he's having to explain a lot. He was of explaining basic some of the yeah. some of the technicals. Did it, someone but, say when I email in WhatsApp? Oh, did they? I think, yeah, yeah. I, I missed that. that. That's kind of thing my mum would say. Oh. It's sort of things like <laughs> what encryption is, how does encryption work, and this sort of stuff. Um, but at first, I thought. Oh my goodness, this is terrible. Why are these people like why they understand what you're talking about before you go and question? But then we were talking about we and Shivali were talking about this as well, is maybe it is better to have people that aren't that au fait with all the technology asking the questions because the majority of people probably aren't. Yeah, breaking it down to basics, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. If you if you just have if you just have like techie people talking to other techie people, what the you know the None of us none of, we, none we, the rest will, of us. But like get, yeah, most people it. don't know, yeah. The question is now, what's what's Facebook planning to do about it? And what's actually going to change? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I think <laughs> they will institute the minimum amount of, of data protection rules to comply with, this, say, this new European law that's coming in. Beyond that, uh, you can do a few kind of customer-focused sort of, you know, warnings here, and this is how we use your data. But... It, Fundamentally, I don't think a lot is going to change. We've no. seen this from Facebook for years. Yeah, and you there was know. this massive whole hashtag delete Facebook campaign afterwards where everyone was going, I'm going to delete my profile. But how many people do you know who actually did it in the end? I think it's kind of been a big hype and not many users are going to change their behavior that much. Yeah, I think it's too easy to just keep it there. Yeah, keep clicking, keep, keep fine. It, you know, yeah. and I, I, Facebook also, and we've touched on this as well, Facebook owns other it owns Instagram, it owns WhatsApp. So if you're using, you might not be using Facebook, if you're using WhatsApp or you're using Instagram, Zuckerberg, Facebook, they're going to know about it because, the, the, you know, Messenger as well, it's all, it's it's all, all linked. Yeah. It's all linked in. Um, LinkedIn is not owned by Zuckerberg. <laughs> but. It's what I hope will change. And again, we, we, we've discussed this on, on our podcast is that hopefully out of this will come more understanding from like regular people about how their data is being used yeah that's that's what has to change facebook isn't gonna what incentive has it got to change it's got two billion over two billion users making obscene amounts of money what what needs to change is just general people everyone that uses it we just need to be a little bit more aware of what it is that we're putting on for a start and secondly what they are going to do with it you know um and zuckerberg pointedly uh he was asked about adverts and he said that people um don't like adverts but people really don't like adverts that aren't targeted to them because so that was his way of defending it a little bit now Mm. he was also asked so take from that what you whatever maybe you agree with it maybe you don't he was also asked if facebook would always be free and he said 
there will a be a free option of facebook yeah. will always be free in the future so whether or not we see a, a paid for version, version of yeah. facebook in the future so I pay don't for know. privacy now. pay for privacy but then you go we shouldn't have to pay for privacy. should we have to pay for it That's this is like, a big yeah. debate guys. <laughs> spectrum up to super injunction is there are some very rich and naughty people who do pay for their privacy but then Twitter usually gets around that. But yeah, paying that's for right, privacy, that's, that's really right. unfair. The most vulnerable yeah. society are the ones that probably need it the most. Um, what, is, what does this mean for online journalism? We've already seen drops in Facebook reach. Mm. Um, what, what do you think? Is Facebook moving out of the news business? And is that good for us I think as publishers? He was, so he was asked specifically if Facebook is a media company. He said no. He was asked because Facebook allows you to transfer money. He was asked if Facebook is a, a financial institution. He said no. He said we're a tech company. But what it means for, for journalism, I think, and, it, and this goes not just for, for publishers and journalism, but also game developers who rely on Facebook or small businesses who uh, promote Facebook or, or things like that is it's you, you, you it's very difficult to base a business model solely on someone else's platform because you're never going to have the control over it. So you have to be aware that at any point it could change. Which and it has for which us, it right? Has yeah. for us. So uh, what has happened is, and what we look at doing, is we look at other other avenues to go down. Um, you know, there are all kinds of different platforms out there and you've got to sort of see which which ones you can work best on. Facebook mm-hmm. is the biggest, but you just can't... You, can't be dependent on it because at any point it can change and you know that goes all the way from the very top biggest businesses all the way down to sort of the mum and pop shops or the corner shops trying to you know get a community going around their facebook page yeah i think the algorithm change would probably affect us more than this will honestly because they completely deprioritized any publisher content um whereas now i think people will just be more wary about what they're doing on facebook i'm not sure how much that will affect us um it's kind of thing we'll just have to see with time Mm. And I, I don't know as well. It might. It also shifts it a little bit, maybe to sort of the individual aspect rather than so say say the journalist or the influencer or the person who is talking about the content that they have created, rather than the organization as a whole, because it's. So it's again a shift to individual responsibility, to, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's also also it's a it's a trustworthiness thing that like people trust individuals. You know, if I can see a, a name and a face, it's just you. I'm more likely to listen to what you have to say or trust what you're saying to me rather than you know a giant megalithic brand or, or you think you know that's that's kind of the, the web 2.0 way is you know like individual face-to-face let's be mm. let's be personal have personal connections people, yeah. that's what that's what's valuable in, yeah. in this online world do you see some parallels between the news this week and hate of the nation Shall yeah I? I think the thing with the hate of the nation is how they used a, a real platform so it was was it Twitter or was yeah, there a version of Twitter? It was Twitter. Yeah. Um, and the power of a hashtag. Yeah. like, So I, I can't really see it happening in real life. We don't have the little killer drones or anything. But you can see if something's trending on Twitter, um, the effect it has. It has a massive knock-on effect. Um, it's not quite killing people yet. but No, but there was a real-world effect with some elections. That's yeah. It's been political influence as opposed to physical. I mean, one thing as well that, that I picked up on is that this sort of thing with Cambridge Analytica and data scraping and using data for um, profiling and gains, it happens all the time. This is not a new thing. This is not something that's that's revolutionary. But what made it such a big deal in this case was that there was a tangible outcome, i.e. Donald Trump walked into the White House or the or, or Brexit. Brexit, whatever like, that is. Exactly. And that as is. soon as you can take, like, this is what happened and this was the outcome, which a lot of people disagreed with, it becomes a big deal you know if we there's been some huge data breaches some huge hacks but equifax yahoo um ebay um 
Under Armour. Like these are big hacks. Yeah, the that have happened attacks in the, and everything. Yeah. Oh, stuff. Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. Oh yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah. But it like it 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 is a thing, and then it goes away because people don't really see, unless you, I suppose, really affected. The reason this is so bad was because it led to this. You know, like, did you see that that did you see that meme about like? Zuckerberg's face and then it was like when you just wanted to create a tool to like yeah, rank, to rank girls, girls and you ended up putting like a fascist in the most powerful country in the world or yeah. something like that hashtag and that TFW went, and that just went around the web you know and, mm. and that was why because it's such applica- it's so applicable to a yeah. situation where a lot of people disagreed with that this it's continued to rumble on and that's why Zuck yeah. himself was hauled up in front of the, uh, the lawmakers yeah what do you think of Zuck turning down the British lawmakers. He was not. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed, I'm not impressed at all. He we sent his CTO, didn't he? Yeah, we're not impressed with that. No, come on, Zuck. You can go to the US. Come over here Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely should come over here and uh, yeah, answer our questions yeah. too. And they, they say they're not a US company as well. They describe themselves as a global company. So he should be proving that by coming. Well, to... he needs to answer questions on Brexit. I definitely would yeah. say there's there's a lot around Brexit as well. well you, you know, use Facebook in a way of I'm, it's a closed circle. <clears throat> I'm sharing this with just some people that I've pre-selected. You know, with Twitter, you put something on Twitter, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's out public. there. Yeah. If you upload a YouTube video, you knew, you know, everybody can see it. So you'll, you kind of have that mindset going in. I think what shocked a lot of people with Facebook is they go, well, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to I share it with share everybody. With friends, yeah. I just want to share it with my fifty or hundred friends. And then it's actually much, much bigger than that. So um, other other platforms will like, will ser- and other tech companies in general, because they all process data. Personal data is the currency of the 21st century. At the, at the start of this episode, we do have a Katie Hopkins-esque columnist who gets yeah. killed. Like, there's one way of looking at it, that she is a horrible person. Um, she she acts and writes like Katie Hopkins. Mm-hmm. But to me, she kind of looks and sounds like our very own Fleet Street Fox, mm-hmm. aka Susie Boniface, um, who is not like Katie Hopkins at all and writes great stuff and we're fans. And in fact, you can hear her on this podcast talking about being on screen white. Well, my main concern was the fact that you know, Charlie was a Guardian journalist. This was sort of around the time or very shortly after the phone hacking scandal. And there are lots of people uh, in the world, generally anyway, who want to make journalists out to be scumbags. And my whole point when I was blogging and writing about being a journalist was that we're just idiots. There's nothing special or different about us. You know, we have the same personal ups and downs as everyone else, and you make mistakes sometimes. And there's always one or two, uh, can I say wankers? I have. There are one or two wankers in the world who get everyone else a bad name kind of thing, which happens in Lidl, it happens in an accountant's office, it happens in newspapers. So um, I was anxious that I put my best foot forward, shall we say, on behalf of the trade. You sent a minion to interview me. I can't remember quite what she was asking me now, but she seemed perfectly okay. It was about a morning out of my life. It wasn't too difficult. Done lots of. It was, it was weird because that was like one of the first TV things I did, and I was always a print journalist. And you're used to being um, behind a screen and talking through words, and to actually have to talk with your actual talking instrument, the voice. Uh, and when you can, you go um, and you go er, uh, and you muss things up, and you don't say things properly, and you have to have a several goes at it, it's really difficult to get your head around trying to do it. And I, I've been doing it for a few years now, but I still, I still mess up. I still get it wrong. I still rather be typing. You know, you have to be a multimedia journalist, don't you? Yes, I think everybody, you know, at my stage in the career, and I've been doing it for 25 odd years, you don't have a choice, really, as much as we'd all like to hold on to typewriters. And if you're just coming into the industry, 
being a multimedia journalist, being able to sort out your iPhone, I mean, you can watch them the news and you see people having a big scrum and taking doing a press conference and there's all these, I, I think of them as little kids up at the front with their iPhones out recording their, recording the statement. And I'm, on my first local paper, we were taught shorthand and that a shorthand note that was contemporaneous in your notebook was enough to stand up in a court of law. And now I think if you go to a court of law and say, no, I didn't record it on my iPhone or my Samsung, your honour, you'd be in real trouble. So things have changed and you have to be across all the different media, otherwise you're not going to survive. Everyone knows people like that who, you know, they'll, they'll look like they've got an absolute mint life on Instagram or whatever. So like Alice Eve's character, um, uh, Naomi, in yeah. um, Nosedive. And you haven't necessarily, you know, your life's just quite normal, but you choose to post something that makes it look like you're living your best life and all your friends are jealous and whatever like that's you know there's that side of it but there's also the side where you know people use it as like a mask to hide behind and people you know there's people who make fake twitter accounts solely for the use of you know sending abuse to people and as sad as that is you know it it is a thing. It does happen. You women see it a lot with like celebrities, especially women are often targets. I was just yeah. going to say, yeah. I and mean, you see it with celebrities because you know, I think you know I could never, I could never do it personally. I don't think I could handle the criticism. And you know, you know, with like reality stars and stuff. Yeah, they've they've got fans and they've got people who love them. But for every person sending them a positive tweet, you know, there's probably five more telling them that they're ugly, that they're fat, that they should die, calling them a slag and all these things. You know, it really horrible, horrible stuff. Where do you think that anger comes from? I don't I don't know. I mean, I, you, you do wonder kind of why you're that bothered by somebody that you're, you're going to sit Never get there a and... Yeah. But I always think, you know, in terms of if you... You know, it's that old thing. If you can't say it to someone's face, then, you know, don't say it yeah. from sat behind a computer. But you do you do see it a lot. But I think we we get it to a, a certain extent as well, and not half as bad by any stretch. But you know, I've had hate on Twitter because of a story that I've written, and you know, I think when when you when you tell people you're a journalist, I think um, it's very it's very one or the other. People are either like impressed and they're like, "Oh, that's a cool job," or people just assume that you're a scumbag. <laughs> yes, it's very it's very one or the other, and mm. you know, I've had I've had a bit of hate and stuff on Twitter and you know it does get to you you do let it upset you a bit and stuff but you've just got to kind of try and think oh like whatever kind of get over it rise above it but the, it's funny there's like you know you'll you'll write you'll tweet out a story and you get loads of crap for it because well it's it's projection isn't it it's someone seeing someone else's power and being made to feel small it's projection of their unhappiness mm. isn't it and I think with the internet it, it it's like a comment box under every everything that exists. Yeah. Don't know if the people using the hashtag really know what it means and really know no. the consequences of it. I think with this episode in particular, it's that police procedural kind yeah. of feeling and this unfolding, and we don't realise the two strands are sort of going to come together, and it's it's structured beautifully. Yeah, it is. Um, it just it just seems like so so easy people are like let's pile in like the the school teacher the nursery teacher who gets a whip around for that yeah. cake she's just quite normal she's she's a bit too eager um again like 
I don't wish death upon Katie Hopkins. She's no. not great. I think she plays a, a major character. I think she's a, she, she plays the villain. I, I think that she probably doesn't think as strongly about some of the things she writes about. As she's, she she's, makes out. She's detrimental. No, she's a character. She's unhelpful in terms of being a journalist, being a female journalist, um, in terms of all like the kind of rights movements that are happening. She's really unhelpful. And she because she's entertaining, like Nigel Farage. Mm. Because she'll always have a soundbite, because they yeah. bring in traffic, they will always get featured, unfortunately. And then their platforms for their views just people grows. like a villain. In the overall public debate it doesn't help any of us move forward is the problem, but it's really hard for the camera or for the writer to turn away because they will, they'll they just bring in yeah. an audience. Oh, I would have ate it too if it was me. There, and so <laughs> cakes are a bit of a theme, so shut up and dance, there's a cake delivered. And then I was re-watching Thick of It recently and there's a, there's a great moment where Malcolm Tucker played Amazingly by Peter Capaldi when he gets a birthday cake from the pr- Prime Minister, Tom, who's mm. based on... Gordon Brown, but it's never seen. And it's Happy Birthday, Seabomb. This could be from anyone, which I love. Like, so many people hate him. Anyone could have sent him that. And Joe Powers has that similar thing yeah. to Malcolm Tucker. Maybe on a wider scale, maybe on a wider scale, but this cake could be from anyone. And it's a great red herring. Did yeah. the cake poison her? Yeah. For you, were any of the victims more sympathetic than the others? Did anyone stand out for you personally in terms of a character? You know, none of them obviously deserved to the fate that they were no. dealt. Um, but it is very interesting kind of comment on society for the different things that the kind of they are targeted for. But obviously, the the chancellor in particular, um, I think he stands out because by this point, you know, everyone knows what the game means. Um, you know that. If you're number one at five o'clock, you're going to be killed by these bees. Um, and he really goes out of his way to try and shift the focus onto somebody else. And he tries to like leak a dossier about um, about someone to, you know, get them higher in the ranking and overtake him. So I think he, he stands out because he's very aware of what he's doing. And he's he is just trying desperately to basically put someone else in the firing line in front of him. Yeah, he's quite bad. That um his whole bit of the story reminded me of the national anthem. The first the first episode with the prime minister and the pig, the prime minister and the government keep trying to outrun the internet and they mm-hmm. can't do it. Mm-hmm. And media organizations can't beat the internet because we have editorial judgment and we have rules and we will have meetings and we'll try not to put an unedited version of the ransom video out because it's it's not it's not appropriate but it's it's not responsible Mm -hmm. and i think as part of a news organization you won't do that lightly but on the internet they'll chuck it up anywhere and it just felt with haste of the nation there's this this sense of being outpaced by technology again which gave it a really great sense of momentum yeah and so there is a twist when Mm -hmm. she's in the taxi what did that twist feel like because it's one like positive twist apart from San Junipero I suppose it's a twist that makes things brighter not darker which Black Mirror very rarely does I mean I think she's being very secretive in general isn't she because you know she's asking about the fate of of Blue and oh she's left out things on the beach with a note and I think the, the woman leading the hearing you know asks has she killed her so she killed herself and you know she says oh well that's the best theory but obviously she knows 
all along, doesn't she? Very well-chosen words. Very well-chosen words. As opposed to a lot of the people in that episode who did not choose their words well and suffered horrifying things. Exactly. She's the exact opposite of them, where she's very calculated in what she's saying, and not in a bad way. I think everyone could do with being a bit more calculated in things that they say. It's the sense of being on the record. It's very it's very interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah. I think we always think whether we're on the record or off right now. So we are on the record right now. Yeah. This is a podcast. And I think journalists think like that. I think police officers 100% have to to get anywhere yeah. in the industry. And your general public have not thought about on or off the record yet. And they really have to. Because mm-hmm. their words can live on long after they've changed as a person. Yeah thought differently um, but there is a really great moment in the taxi you know it's this, these classic scenes you see yeah. um, after Leveson after all after the Iraq war inquiry someone in a car bombarded by photographers and she gets this text it must be a burner phone because Blue yeah. knows her phone yeah. just got him little smile delete and like, that moment is perfect yeah. and then we move into the epilogue where kind of Blue has found him but it's a strangely hopeful episode I think the moral of the story is just don't troll people online. If you're not going to say it to the face, don't say it from behind a computer screen or a phone. So a lot of people say thank you to on this podcast. Thank you to Susie Boniface, a.k.a. Fleet Street Fox, for telling us about being on ScreenWipe. Thank you to Mirror Online's tech team, Jeff Parsons and Shivali Best, for explaining the Facebook congressional hearings to us. And uh, look out for their podcast. It goes every Friday at 3pm and it's called Future File. And thanks to Vicky Newman for analysing the episode with me. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe, click all the stars. Keep to really positive hashtags if you're mentioning it on Twitter. Um, If you do end up in a hearing with the government of your nation, I mean, just just mention it in a really positive way just you know it's like a fun thing to see how it goes down um but yes thank you for listening goodbye